Thanks for joining us today for TED Speaks with your host, Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process. Please join us in welcoming Vince D'Alessio. Mr. D'Alessio currently serves as the Industrial Hygiene and Safety Group Manager for Pannoni Associates with over 30 years of experience. His experience includes industrial hygiene, health, safety, and environmental compliance program management. He has performed assessments, studies, and documentation of hazardous exposures in federal and military facilities, offices, commercial facilities, and healthcare facilities. He has spoken at national and international conferences, conducted health and safety workshops on many topics, and met with state and public agencies regarding policy and procedure for exposure to hazardous materials. He serves as an acting radiation safety officer for Pannoni Associates, responsible for controlling radioactive sources in instruments and radioactive materials on client sites. Mr. D'Alessio is a member of the American Industrial Hygiene Association and the American Society of Safety Professionals. Hey, Vince, how are you doing today? Fantastic, Ted. How's it going? Hey, good. I'm glad to have you on the show. Barbara and I are excited to uh, have this opportunity to uh, chat, and anytime we can talk safety, it's even that much better, right? Excellent. <laughs> Very good. Hey, uh, when did you really uh, first encounter the concept of safety in your career? So uh, I grew up uh, near Philadelphia and in the, in the family construction business. And uh, we, you know, we didn't really have a, uh, obviously a, a safety function in a small business like that, but the concepts were there in some form. So, you know, we, for the type of work we did, which is asphalt, concrete, dirt work, you know, we used appropriate PPE gloves and whatnot. We were very cognizant of uh, the concept of, uh, of uh, heat stress, for example, mm-hmm. is very prevalent in that business. And uh, so we were very, uh, very cognizant of the at least rudimentary uh, steps of shade, pushing hydration on people, taking breaks, et cetera. We would use hearing protection, again, in a rudimentary fashion. So the concepts were there, and it was part, it was, wasn't anything uh, separate function, it was just part of what we did. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a, I don't want to say common sense, but kind of a given. You knew the certain things that needed to be done, so you did them. Yeah, I think it was the experience. I think really, you know, safety really relies on the experience of the people performing the work and them integrating it into what they do. And I think they had done a good bit of that. And there was, again, not the sort of professional awareness of uh, safety as a concept, but just sort of the practical application. This is a noisy task. We should have uh, hearing protection. This is hot. We should make sure the guys are drinking and getting in the shade and taking adequate breaks, et cetera. So it was, it was functional, but uh, simple. So then uh, talking about um, safety as a career, how did you decide on entering this field professionally? 
So it's a kind of a roundabout path. I started out uh, in my college education in science. I always loved science and I was always interested in, in science and biology and chemistry. And uh, I got done an associate's degree and I decided I wanted to be a doctor. Hmm. Oh. So I went, I applied to schools that had good, you know, good reputation uh, pre-med programs. And I, I was accepted to one and took a little while, but I figured out I did not have the drive or desire or work habits to become a doctor. So uh, casting about for an alternative path, I found myself in the registrar's office at uh, West Coast University with the course catalog and my transcript in my hands. It literally <laughs> said, what am I closest to getting a degree in? And I looked and environmental science was it. So I sat down, okay, what's, what's the first course? So we took Environmental Science 101. I love the course. I got an A in it. I already had a background in ecology and, and biology and chemistry. So it was, you know, the application of those concepts to, you know, concrete things that really kind of jazzed me and excited me about, about that, that as a career. So uh, the next course in the sequence was industrial hygiene, and I was hooked. And I got also uh, the first day of that course, I met uh, a woman who, uh, had been in my previous class and we were chatting after class. I said, well, I have to go, I have to go get a job. I'm, I, I, you know, she said, well, we're hiring. I said, well, what do you do? She said, well, I work for an environmental consulting company. Why don't you come interview with us? So, uh, yeah, those, those, those two things really kind of hooked me and, uh, really got me started on the path. Just the, the timing of things at the right moment. Well, it sounds like you still wound up helping people in the end, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it, it right. I, that was my motivation for, for wanting to go into medicine was, yeah. was always about helping people. And it was, it was always that, uh, that impulse to try to help people out. And, uh, you know, uh, that uh, really sort of, um, uh, jazzed me in the, in the health and safety uh, realm and really was, um, you know, it was one of those things that just, it was like the light bulb, you know, it's a, it's a cliche, right? The light bulb goes on, you know, it was bing, really, bing, right? exactly. It was really like this, it really lit me up and really made me feel like, you know, I'm doing the right thing here. And it was not, it was not all wine and roses. It was not easy. You know, I had to take calculus, for example, that was in the major. So that was hard. I'm not a math uh, native. That math doesn't speaker, sound fun. So. <laughs> no, that, that does not sound fun at all. Yeah, but I, I like the other, and, and organic, you know, organic one, two were difficult as well. But I really, uh, I, I was motivated, a motivated student, and I, and I got it, you know, so that was great. Well, sometimes one path leads us to another path, and we can't always, you know, sometimes we have younger kids who are, you know, at that age of either in school or trying to figure out what they want to do. And, you know, there's a whole world out there, and there's so many things that people don't even know exist that sometimes you just have to start somewhere and then different experiences or paths, or like you said, meeting someone with a job opportunity just leads you into a place and you kind of have to figure it out as, as you go. So it sounds like it led you into a, a good spot for you moving forward. It was one of those, one of those situations where, you know, you just kept having the little wins, right? The things that made, that gave you motivation to keep moving forward. And, you know, I had, I had run across yeah. professional safety people here and there in the contracting business. We do projects, you know, I remember doing a, a parking bumper installation at an oil refinery and dealing, interacting with the safety people. And that was my first consciousness of safety as a profession, as something that people did before I even uh, completed my uh, uh, schooling. 
So, but uh, this, uh, this whole uh, career, I almost feel like I was guided into it. Yeah, it, it sounds that way, you know, and that, that's really a tremendous way of doing it. And I think that's what a lot of us do in safety, right? We, we're drawn towards that and being able to help other people and different reasons. Vince, what do you see right now as the biggest topic in IH just facing uh, safety right now in general? Do you feel it's more the hexavalent? Is that one or is it more of the um, silica or, or what, what do you feel is the big one that's affecting most organizations right now? Yeah, so I was working in a laboratory at the time the, hex, the new hexavalent chromium standard came out. So this is uh, 2007, 2008, yeah, quite I guess. A while, yep. And it uh, really was a big uh, paradigm shift in terms of war, the industrial hygiene portion of chromium exposure. And so, you know, the, the standard drastically lowered the PEL for hexavalent chromium. And, and hexachrome is, is unique because it's, it's very reactive. Most chromium encountered in, 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 in industry and in construction, et cetera, is trivalent chromium. It's, it's not terribly uh, uh, toxic. Hex chrome is different. It's much more reactive. It's much uh, worse for the body in terms of uh, interaction with it. And I'd worked around industries that used chromic acid for plating and for catalyst manufacturers. So I was the, I became the subject matter expert ah. in the company, helping uh, put our program together and inform and uh, educate our, our clients about uh, how to sample, when to sample, what to look for in, in the results and, and how to move ahead with compliance in the, in the, uh, with the new standard. So it was really uh, kind of an end to end thing for me. And it's still, still obviously a hot topic and there are discussions about trying to push the PEL lower. Silica was a different one because Growing up in the construction business, I had some familiarity with uh, sources of crystalline silica. And uh, again, when that standard came out, again, I, I was kind of, I was in the lab and I was kind of the, uh, the point person for helping put our uh, client education um, program together and to uh, try to give, uh, put, you know, make materials and give advice to help people with compliance with the standard. And again, it's something that you know, I, I felt very personally uh, attached to because I, I, I knew people that had had respiratory ailments that had worked with silica. And it was a, it was a personal uh, mission for me to try to educate people and, and get them to, uh, to really uh, uh, decrease work or exposures to crystalline silica. So we're still in the middle of that. And again, just like with Hexchrome, I was just trying to press the standard lower. They wanted a lower standard. They wanted 25. They got 50. Uh, but the, the toxicology seems to indicate 25 is probably closer to a, a good number. But, you know, with, with enforcement, you always have the gap between what the regulations say and what actually occurs in the field. And, you know, larger industries are generally pretty compliant. Uh, the smaller companies struggle, right? Some of them are not aware. Right. Some of them just have a, a difficult time. Uh, with implementing. Well, a lot of times it comes down to the dollars, right? To money. Yeah, it is. It is money. That's really exactly. where the struggle is. So the good thing, I think the the reasonable thing that OSHA did was to include the, the table one in construction to try to help, really help uh, construction industry users uh, figure out whether they had to sample a particular task or particular particular equipment or not. And that, I think that's helpful. I think it was a nod to the smaller uh, businesses to try to help them with compliance. And I think it was a beneficial thing. Just listening to you talk, Vince, and I you know, read about your background, one of the specialties you have is the 
chemical assessment, that part of it, is that listening to talk, is that kind of like one of your strongest, I don't want to say skill sets, but like something that gets you excited about safety, that portion of it? It is. I, you know, I, I really like getting a call with a situation where people are, are either handling a, a new hazard or somebody's coming into a position where they have to handle an existing hazard in an industry yeah. and kind of looking at it as a, like a square one, like a, a, a clean sheet of paper approach. Look at the source materials and documents that they have. Look at their processes. I like going out, love going out to a site, just kind of looking around and talking to the people and seeing how they actually are using these chemicals and what, it, uh, what we can do to, to try to help them do it more safely. And then uh, putting a program together to do sampling or, or what have you. Uh, that's, that's the kind of thing that, that really kind of gets me going. I think talking to um, a lot of safety people, it seems like if you're in this world, not everyone, but that interacting part, like actually making contact and resolving something and knowing that what you've done or left them has helped. I don't want to say it's instant gratification because I know the whole safety process is a process. But it seems like that's a, a common thread, you know, to be able to do the face-to-face stuff, help, help people. And that's kind of why people are in this safety world. Do you agree with that? I agree. It's very gratifying. I, I like seeing the smiles. I like yeah. showing up oh. on site and seeing the people smile. Hey, Vince, good to see you again. Yeah, things are better here. You mm-hmm. know, I, I love doing that. And it's, it happens in a lot of different places. It's, uh, it's not fun showing up and... and uh, People are suspicious or or are untrusting and uh, don't uh, won't talk to you about what's what's bothering them, what's what their pain points are. And uh, the opposite of that is when you show up and they're like they're happy to see you. That's a great feeling. It's really nice. It's uh, one of the rewards for me. Yeah, and it's a sign of a culture for that usually company, right? I mean, you can kind of tell when when the the better the culture they have, the more people are going to be open to to speak. With, with us as safety professionals, but especially as IH people, I would think too, right? Yeah. And it's, I think a lot of it just stems from my background, you know, growing up in the construction business, it, people are, uh, are pretty upfront and pretty uh, uh, open about direct, right. They're very <laughs> direct. You know, there's not this sort of uh, keeping it close to the vest kind of thing. Everybody's, everybody's got work to do and they just want it. They want to figure out where you're at and uh, get on with it. So I, I, I like that aspect of it. And I've always felt that even when you have difficult things to say to people, even when you have to tell them that they've got to, they've got to change their, uh, their approach or their attitude to something, I think if you're forthright about it and you explain to them why on the level, you meet them where they are and you're able to talk to them on the level of, of that they're, they're working at, I think they appreciate it. Yeah, and I, I like that. And, you know, don't sell it short that you're greeted with a smile because that says a lot about you, right? That's not always the case in this profession. Now that we've talked about some of the positives about doing this job, can you talk about maybe one of your most challenging times or jobs in this field? Yeah, so probably the most challenging project I ever had was uh, I had a, a project where I was hired to operate a, basically we had a, a safety department. Uh, at one point we had as many as 14 people, I think on staff and we were replacing the wastewater system in an operating oil refinery. So we couldn't shut the wastewater system down. They wanted to reconstruct it within the footprint, the existing wastewater system. And, uh, so it was extremely technical, extremely difficult, uh, a lot of hazards present. 
and uh, they had the the additional stressor of the company I worked for. We were responsible for a lot of aspects of safety, but we did not have full safety authority. So we had to use persuasion, sometimes a little subterfuge, sometimes running games on people, going around as much as we could to try to get things to to go the way that they should. And some sometimes it didn't work. Sometimes um, you had to uh, do what you could to uh, safeguard the people and kind of let management make its mistakes without uh, without harming anybody. And we, d- we did have that happen. Yeah. That can, I would think that can be kind of tough, you know. It's hard. And it's, it's you know what, it's really hard on, it's hard on the younger people. So, and you, you know, you're, you're a manager and you have younger people working under you and you have to kind of, you know, they have the impulse to do what's right, to try to, to, to press the, 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 uh, the program through and uh, dealing with the limitations of management in that spot where you don't have authority. It makes it uh, very difficult, I think, for a younger, younger safety professional to understand that, you know, sometimes you have to work behind the scenes a little bit. You can't always go straight at it. It doesn't always work. You got to look at the, the long-term objective of the project. Right. I, I, I think that's very true, you know, um, with the younger people, but kind of talking about the younger people and, and how I think it's important that we mentor. Um, we talk about that quite a bit here on the show. What are some of the mentors that helped you, Vince, um, through your career? So probably my first mentors were my dad and my uncles in terms of just in terms of how to conduct myself uh, with, in front of clients and in front of uh, maybe other, uh, other uh, contractors or other uh, entities on a project. Certainly, Patricia Dapolito was the safety director at my first, the first big construction company that I worked for. And uh, she was really good. She was a woman at the time. There were not a lot of women in that sector doing that job. And uh, so she, she had a, a challenge to it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I remember, you know, I used to call her, you know, every day or two. And, uh, and talk about the problems I was having on this project, the one where I, I couldn't, you know, I didn't have the authority to go, just go ahead and do what I had to do. And I would, you know, call her and, you know, oh, I'm having trouble with this, I'm having trouble with that. And she said, listen, said, I, I appreciate where you're at, she said, but I, I didn't hire you to give me problems. So I hired you to give me solutions. It sounds um, insensitive, but it was really a good lesson. It was like, you know what? It was like she was giving me the authority to do what I had to do. And that was, that was really empowering. I was like, man, I, oh, I know is, exactly yeah. what, what to do now. And it really uh, allowed me to, like I said, in that situation, you had to, a lot of times you had to do some deal making, some bargaining. You had to re- reason with people. You had to do a little horse trading. You had to, uh, you really had to, because you didn't have the hammer, you couldn't come down and shut the job down. You know, you, you really sort of developed that uh, sort of political instinct of how to get your goals accomplished without, uh, without being able to uh, force people into uh, your position. So she was great. She was really great. It sounds like she kind of um, helped build your confidence or give you the, Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. absolutely. It was a, it was a huge, it was a big change for me. It really went from, really went from like sort of just being a technical person to really kind of a manager and a, a, a real safety person where I really try to use all the tools that I had. Yeah. Uh, not just, uh, not just uh, try to bring the hammer down every time. 
Ted and I were talking about um, this in a different aspect of parenting. You know, we work together, but we're married and we're parents. And just, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know some days it can be challenging, but building confidence in our kids. We talked about that. And I'm not saying the school system doesn't set that up for them, but I feel like today the learning environment is very different and they don't have as much face-to-face with technology and texting and all of that, that we sometimes stumble across how to build more confidence in younger kids because once they get out into the real world, hopefully they will have a good mentor who will help them with that. But right. it's it's hit or miss. People don't always have good mentors or people to follow. Sometimes you're really on your own. So that mentoring factor is is a big deal. Yeah, and and that's something that we do within our organization too. Um, you know, mentoring yeah. people, and I just find that so rewarding. Number one, but also there's so much knowledge that we can share, and that's one of the reasons why we have this podcast is to share our knowledge that we have to do that. So, Vince, I really want to thank you for uh, being on the show, and also just a real quick reminder again of everybody that if anybody's looking for any type of training, you know, feel free to go to our website www healthandsafetynow.com and go to at Ted Ed. And there we have tons of training, online training that you can provide uh, for your employees or for yourself, on, even on the IH subject that we're talking about today. So please check that out and let us know about that. Uh, Vince, but you know we're in that time of the uh, show now that we like to uh, have a little fun with our uh, guest. Are, the question is, are you ready? I'm ready. Ready for a couple dad jokes here? Yes, and they're always <laughs> dandies, by the way. So my first one um, for you, Vince, is what do you call a well-balanced horse? What do you call a well-balanced horse? Mm, I don't know. Stable. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good one. It was a good one. Okay, we'll That's give good. you another one here. Um, what do you call an angry carrot? What do you call an angry carrot? What do you call an angry carrot? <laughs> I wow. didn't know until last night. <laughs> a steamed veggie. <laughs> uh, hey, Vince, thanks so much one. for being on the show. And if anybody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they go about doing that? Uh, so uh, best way, I guess, um, is uh, uh, you could get, get reach me directly with, uh, with, by my email. It's V-D-A-L-I-E-S-S-I-O at Pannoni.com. I think you reach out to, uh, if you went on uh, the Panoni website, I think there's a way to get to our EHS group there. And I'm also on LinkedIn. And um, so I'm uh, somewhat active there. Also, uh, um, people who are in the industrial hygiene uh, uh, profession or are interested and want to join the American Industrial Hygiene Association, we have a pretty lively um, uh, uh, message board on there, uh, the Catalyst message board. And I'm a pretty frequent uh, contributor there. So uh, we get involved in the profession that way. Great. That's always, uh, again, the networking, right? And, and giving back yeah. to, to our community that, that made us successful so many years too, right? So great, Vince. Um, thank you very much for being on the show and have a super safe day. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you. You too. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to TED Speaks with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories 
or find out more about how we can work together to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week. 